And here we are, live. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of How I Met Your Mortgage. Uh, I don't even know where we are. Five years of this uh, now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm your host, Adam Smith, uh, with Just the Tips Coaching. With me, as always, is our marketing director, Jen Waybor. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, Adam. Jen, we should have you as a guest on the episode to talk about your recent trials and tribulations. I mean, we could do that. Yeah, we we may get to that. (laughs) Um, And Jen, uh, I did notice last week some really impressive work on all of this. You've uh, really made some leaps and bounds with our little podcast here. Um, yeah, thank lots you. of lots of listeners and people uh, listening the whole way through, which means we must not be that freaking boring. We have listeners in Australia, which I think is really freaking cool. Listeners so. in Australia, how <laughs> bored are they? Right, <laughs> listening right. to these crazy Americans. All right, crazy <laughs> Americans. Speaking of crazy Americans, we have a guest for you people today that is going to top that list. Um, and it's it's an adult show, right? So I can introduce Joe Fuck Yourself. Uh, his real name is Joe Feinhandler, although, and, and I promise that is a term of affection. Um, in fact, Joe sent me a Hanukkah card late last year, whenever the holiday rolled around, and actually signed it that way. That's awesome. So, yeah, I'm not letting him off the hook of that ever. So, everybody, welcome to the show, or I guess Jen and I will welcome to the show, Joe Feinhandler. Morning, Joe. Thank you. Good morning. That so we have already started off much differently than I thought this was going to go. So. Oh no, this is how this goes, man. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, we's X-rated here. Yes. It's yeah. Nice. yeah. That that may be the only f bomb we dropped today, but since it really is kind of your that's yeah, a proper name, so it doesn't no, count. Right? Yeah, it's your nomenclature. Absolutely. So yeah, we're just gonna roll with it. So. Joe is kind of a, uh, I don't want to say a last minute guest for us. Uh, we conned him into doing this a few weeks ago uh, when we had a cancellation. Um, but uh, yeah, we're really excited. And I was kind of surprised at the time we talked about it that we hadn't had Joe on the show before. Uh, we've been friends for a good number of years. We uh, operate in very similar roles. We run in really similar circles. Um you know, we're both old and fat and gray. It's, I mean, we've got a lot in common. <laughs> yes, we do. We've got a lot in common. Uh, <laughs> yes, but we, we, we have a, a, a certain penchant for automobiles. Uh, and I'm using that term loosely because it's more like an addiction. Uh, how, many, how many cars do you own, Joe? I think I'm up to eight now. Eight? All right. I'm, yeah. I'm only at nine. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah the, the, sold one last year, but. Um, yeah, bought another last year. I don't know. It's crazy. Um, but Joe, tell us about Joe. You've been doing mortgages well since contracts were written on stone tablets. Well, pretty much 2002, uh, okay. so 22 two decades now. That's that's a long stretch. And you are a broker owner. Broker owner, uh, best equity in California. And how long have you been a broker owner? Uh, well, originally the first time around was 05. So started in 2005, um, jumped on with another brokerage in 2009 when everything was going on with the market, the implosion or uh, restructuring. Restructuring. That's a nice way to put it. Okay. So I jumped on with another brokerage. We were bought by a retail operation and I stayed there for two years with them. 
um, and then broke off on my own again uh, three years ago. Okay. Uh, so th- I didn't realize it had only been three years. That's a uh, pretty short stint considering the volume of success you've had in that time frame. Yeah, I mean, we got I, – I haven't really – I haven't recruited. I haven't gone out and hired random people. It was just a core group of, of good loan officers that have been doing the, the business for a long time and um, had a great reputation. And we kind of teamed up and we feed off each other. And one of those uh, iron sharpens iron kind of scenario. Yeah, we're big on that. No question. Well, and when you and I ever get together, um, I don't know how many times you've purchased a ticket for the Mile High Mastermind and failed to show up. I think three, three times now. Uh, three yeah. times because it's three, three times, times that I've planned it. Yeah, oh, I'm, okay. I'm a little offended. I think Joe doesn't want to meet me. So. Joe may be here this year. We'll this, this year's on. This, this year's this on. Year's right. on. So, <laughs> all right. Um, and we've uh, done some other events with uh, some other people that we run in the same circle with, and that's a very iron sharpens iron kind of group. Um, so that uh, kind of thing certainly breeds good work, breeds good friendships, breeds good ideas, um, you know, and we certainly do episodes talking about how important conference work is and the content and the other attendees. And those are the things that you really need to watch out for. But with uh, what you and I do, it's almost organic that way. It just kind of happens all by itself. Um uh, so, yeah, we're certainly big on that. All right. So let's get into the Wayback Machine here. All right. And let's talk about pre-recession, 2002, 3, 4, 5, 6. What did your business look like? I mean, where did it come from? What kind of support did you have? Were you a broker or a banker? So at first, 2002, I uh, got my start. A uh, friend, Michael Deary, got me in. He was working with HFC, so household finance. I remember. And so that was in, a, in an office, sitting in a cubicle, suit and a tie every day, and um, making calls for cash out refinances, doing debt consolidations. And it was exclusively all, all they did, all we did was refinances. Okay. So um, a lot of challenge credit people, rates were 10 point something with five points after the California high cost. Before that, it was seven and a quarter points that was added onto the loan. Wow. Um, all, and, uh, and it was horrible. I mean, just the, the experience and having, you know, management on your shoulder and how many calls have you made? And it, it was uh, sales hard sales bootcamp 101. So there was a I, lot of that in that era. Yeah. And I, I knew I had to wait a year. So after a year and I waited a, a little bit longer than a year, but I actually had a countdown clock in my desk. And uh, <laughs> so I'd be like, Oh, doesn't matter. Only 178 more days. And I'm out. You know? uh, but I, I had to stick with it. It was, it was a thing that I, I forced myself to do it. Okay. And there were a lot of people that cut their teeth that way. Um, I know people that um, that got Argent had a retail operation that was doing that. I can't remember what that company was. I still know some people uh, that are still in the business after doing what you did. Most of them are gone, uh, whether it was because that environment was such crap or because the 0708 recession kicked the shit out of them, whatever the case may be. But there were definitely a bunch of people that 
identified in that space and uh, have gone through, cut their teeth on a number of different levels and, uh, you know, came through the other side smelling like a rose. And now you get this environment where we all know you're dressed up today because you have a collar on. Most definitely. This okay. is this is formal attire. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I get it, uh, me too, that you're really only working with people you know and like, people you want to work with, people you want to help. Obviously, the environment is very different. The products, the rates, fees, costs, all of that kind of stuff is very, very different. But yeah, I would be uh, happy to say to anybody that's been doing this as long as we have that if you're still doing it, You've seen some shit. You've come through the other side. And for those of us doing it now, I know that there's an awful lot of concern in the industry about rates, about inventory, about, well, you know, just business in general, markets in general, MBS and real estate markets. Um, but I don't think anybody who's got that kind of a tenure is concerned. No, I've seen we worried worked in four different four different markets in 20 years. For completely different markets. Um, and, th and through some tough times. Yeah. Yeah. So it uh, it's another cycle. It'll change. There's equilibrium in every one of them. And um, there's winners and not so much winners in every one of them. So um, I, I think we're going to see some losers uh, in the <laughs> coming years. Um, what do you think that looks like? What do you think the changes to the MBS and the on the mortgage side and the inventory issues on the real estate side do for those populations. I mean, it's hard to judge with the real estate community because, you know, NAR already tells us that 80% are gone in the first two years anyway. So does the same, you know, 80-20 rule apply? Do we accelerate it? But I think mortgage lending's kind of been a different animal. And of course, like we saw in 0708, yeah, a ton of mortgage people got out of the business. Tons. So, yeah. yeah, it was a different animal. There was a smaller pie, but we were all getting bigger pieces of it. Right, right. Yeah, I think um, there'll, there'll be an exodus from both again. Once the, the last couple of years in mortgage has been easy. It's been the market, not the originator. Um, just you can't lose. And which there was a year... I want to say 2005 that I spent most of the summer at the Del Mar racetrack here in San Diego. And I got more refinances that summer um, than, than I knew what to do with. And it was just from talking to people. What do you do? Oh, I do mortgage. Oh, really? I have a such and such. Can you help me out? Yes. Um, and it was a couple of day that I was getting from going to the racetrack and, you know, being out in the sun instead of under fluorescent lights. So in a um, cubicle, right. In a, in a shirt so, and tie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, um, and at that point, I was already in a broker shop. Um, we're getting a call on the uh, MBS market right now. So um, I was already in a broker shop at that point. Um, had had cycled out and had the freedom. But yeah, it's it's one of those things that now um, it's there's going to be a whole lot less. The refinance stuff mostly is going to be gone. There's still going to be room for debt consolidation. Um, a lot of people, it seems like are doing cash out because instead of moving to a place um, that's that you be can't most, find anyway. Right, right. So the, the traditional move up home is so much more expensive that even though the place that we live in is worth that much more, 
um, the payment shock in going up, property taxes tripling or quadrupling. Well, and 50 other people want that same house. Right, right. right. So people are going to be doing cash out for home improvements, doing additions or just making their space nicer. Yep. So there'll still be some refi business. Um, it's not going to be how much can I save every month? I want to lower my payment. Lower well, my and it's always going to be there. Right. We're always going to have people are always going to be paying 20 percent on credit cards or distancing themselves uh, uh, from, you know, major credit issues. You know, I finally hit that four years since my bankruptcy, whatever the case may be, there's always going to be that element. Right. And just like the, the need to turn over a house, the old um, death, disability, divorce, there's those those things happen. It's just at a much lower rate than than what we've been seeing with everything else moving right now. Those three things don't don't change. We, we've got the same death, disability and divorce rates. That are that are constant through all markets. So um, those properties always come up, or those are or those are times when people need to refinance or restructure. But it's all the you know the lowering rate environment is over. Everybody's saying so, um, or I should say that the experts are saying so. We have to assume that that's that's the truth. There's a lot of that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, for properties, I mean, supply and demand is just completely out of whack. The beauty of the real estate market is is also the the bad part of the real estate market is it's a purely supply and demand driven um, driven thing, which one of very few that if there's more people trying to buy and there's only so many things, prices are going to go up and it's going to be harder to get. If there's a bunch of properties on the market and not a lot of people looking for them, then prices go down. So the question now is with rates going up, is there still going to be that many people fighting for those homes? And how long does it take for those that equal? Uh-oh, did we lose Joe, Jen? To hit. There we go. Joe's, Joe's got a janky internet connection, so you guys will have to bear with him there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. However, Joe, I think think that what we're describing when we talk about the existing supply and demand issue on the real estate side, I think the bigger issue is the supply. I mean, we can do things to curb the demand, like raise interest rates. Heck, we even try to plague, right? right. Didn't work. Right. Maybe, maybe we're getting close to trying a world war. I still don't think that's going to work. Um, I think we've got kind of this perfect storm of things going on. Some of them have been going on a long, long time, like culturally we don't do nuclear living we don't do multi-generational living we all want our own space i'm guilty i I want my own place and i have more than just my one place um and that's you know but asians europeans a lot of those cultures do multi-generational living um we have this enormous population the biggest ever and the biggest existing in the baby boomers that are living longer they're staying in their homes longer, so there isn't that turnover. Then we've got the Gen Weibors of the world, her generation, the second biggest on the planet in the millennials, are all now of home buying age. So I, I really think the issue is the demand, or excuse me, the supply, and not the demand. So um, do we build our way out of it? Is that is that the move? Is there just needs to be more built? Are people going to... But people are leaving the urban centers. 
but that's another piece of the puzzle. If you right. go look at the stats the builders have put up in the last 10 years, 20 years, they are not building it anywhere near the clip they used to. Right. So we've just got this perfect storm driving this uh, supply issue right now. Yeah, maybe we curb the demand a little. We jack up the rates. We, um, I don't even know what else there really is to do, but I don't think it solves the problem. I think it scratches the surface of the problem. I think the majority of the problem is lying in the supply and not in the demand. Right. So yeah. I don't know. This is going to take a room full of people much smarter than Jen and Joe and I to solve for those of you listening. So don't expect any kind of monumental revelation about how we're going to fix the supply and demand issue in the housing market anytime soon. But from what I've looked at thus far, statistically, just over the last couple of months, just this year, at the rate we're turning over homes, at the rate we're building homes, at the rate the population is building, so on and so forth, this is going to continue for about 20 years minimum this so we're at a 20 year minimum of getting this problem back towards a balanced market and i don't think that we'll see a buyer's market and certainly not in my career and probably not in my lifetime wow i i right. didn't uh so what you were looking at this morning showed that it was that far behind. We were that far well, behind. Well, it hasn't just been this morning, but we looked at what Goldman Sachs put out at the beginning of the year for what we expect home prices to do, home values to do. And we looked at some stats on what we expect builders to do, even if they ramp up production over the next couple of years, uh, the next couple of decades, excuse me. Um, but, you know, it's funny because human nature we've got this real problem where we know that if we want to get out of a hole the first thing we have to do is quit digging we just can't seem to quit digging but you know that's got to be the first step in any process when you want to get out of a hole and humans are hard to uh, get through on that process so yeah it looks like and again i'm no expert i am not a stats analyst by any means but from what i can tell we're probably talking about 20 years before we start shifting back towards a balanced market. That this could continue. And the major metropolitan areas are looking at a 20% increase in value this year. And I figured home values would double over 10 years. Now we're talking about home values doubling over five years. Right? At 20% a year. So if you bought a house today... Could it be worth four times what you paid over the course of 20 years? I don't know. It, the, the statistics make it seem possible. That's crazy. Despite I mean, the fucking lunacy that that actually defines. Yeah, here in San Diego, stuff's over four times what it was 20 years ago, I'm sure. Okay, well, yeah. there you have it. So there, there, at least there. be unrealistic. Yeah, so um, I... I, I what for the consumer, especially anybody who's interested in buying the home, like Jen, she, you know, figured this out over the last year, um, that buy it now, even if you don't love it, even if it's a shitty commute, and Jen, it's going to be a shitty commute, um, yep. that, if that house doubles in value, and you can pocket 300 grand, well, more, because you'll pay your loan down, etc., um, then, boy, what a down payment on another house in the future. And not to mention the rentals. That was one of my big questions in my house shopping. The rentals in the area where I'm looking at are going for almost two grand a month. That's a hell of a lot more than my mortgage is going to be. 
Yeah. Well, the affordability, the affordability index for owning versus renting has been pretty heavily weighted on owning for quite a long time now. Probably not since Joe was selling shit at, you know, 10% with seven points. <laughs> would, it, would it make more sense to rent? Yeah, but, it's a little different now. Yeah, it's but a I just mean the now. ability to rent it out in a couple years. Yeah, that exists as well. Yeah, nobody ever got wealthy without owning real estate. There's just and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not wealthy. Joe's not wealthy. Don't don't let his eight vehicles fool you because they're all shit boxes, including his <laughs> yes, old they Suzuki are. Samurai. Yeah, that kind of thing. And I'm on the same page. Um, but the ability to use home ownership, real estate ownership to propel your finances forward, to prepare, to propel your living situation forward, to real retirement in a little closer. I don't think it can be beat. And certainly right now for somebody Jen's age, I mean, if that if that property quadruples in value in the time frame Jen would even be considering retiring early <laughs> 30s to early 50s, right? Then retirement. I know, right? But if if yeah. your three hundred thousand dollar townhome is worth one point two million, you've paid off the loan. There's you know a million dollars plus in cash just sitting there that yeah. will help you do other things like invest. Money makes money, right? So, yeah, I think it's a big deal, and I think Jen's the prime example. And hopefully, everybody in our audience, Joe's audience, and hopefully Joe will spread this word. We'll see how poorly the podcast actually comes off when we're done with them. If we want to share it with people, <laughs> you know. um, but literally, if you can, if you can educate, which is what we're supposed to do, the consumer as to how important it may be to buy a home right now, even if you don't love it, suck it up for a couple of years. It's still going to be better than renting. And if you could make 20% a year on that investment for a couple of few years and then use that money to propel your living situation, your finances, your investments forward, then please do it. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to the lecture at hand. Adam Soapbox. Yeah. About this shit for sure. Um, but let's talk about Joe because, you know, I, I find him to be unbelievably sexy. Um, <laughs> so where, where does it look like now, Joe? How many LOs? How much support staff? What, what does your team structure look like these days? So we have kind of an untraditional team. I would agree. Um, I think mine's untraditional and yours pale makes mine pale. Yeah. So we use mostly contract processing, um, depending on the loan officer, they can or may or may not have a, an admin, um, in-house in their office. Um, contract processing loan officers originate deals, originate loans, um, send them to contract process their processors once uh, once the file stacked and documentation's in and that's pretty much it um, a few of our branches have um, the front desk and who's an admin person there's nobody just getting a door um, an admin person I use somebody for um, back end accounting for the brokerage um, bringing in you know just logging checks and, and audit packs kind of thing um, Everything else is pretty much we're all um, self-sufficient seasoned loan officers that just pretty much work our database referral sources and uh, keep relations up and, and do loans. So there's, there's not much of a production machine 
it's just the individuals that are that are with us that are the machine. Uh, each each loan originator is is kind of a team to themselves. I think that makes a lot of sense. I I would certainly say that your model is pretty unique, although. Uh, and ours is too, and I think it's, I mean, if we look back at that first role you had, the cubicle role, and mine was like that too, although uh, wholesale, not retail, I was uh, with a brokerage. Uh, I had an office, not a cubicle. You know, I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, that was big shot. Um, but yeah, I was given, you know, a desk and a computer and a copy of the LOS, uh, that's the loan origination software, and a cold call list and a pat on the bottom, you know, good luck, kid. Um, but kind of thing was how was it. it went. Yeah, these people, you know, I was um, given a list. Half of these people own homes and half of them need you to help them start calling. hundred a day. A hundred a day. hundred a day. I don't remember if there were any quotas or anything to that effect, but um, yeah, it was essentially a cold calling sales job 20 years ago. Yeah. Oh man, have we come a long way. Thank God it's becoming a, a, an arena where it's, you know, about helping people and watching out for their dollars and, you know, building friendships and relationships and that kind of thing. That's, what a, what a that's, different arena. Yeah. The only staying power. I mean, that's the only way to, to maintain in the business is just making a personal relationship with all your clients, um, turning clients into friends, friends into clients. And then you wind up getting referred out. I mean, that's all of our, none of our people advertise. None of us, if if you said what percentage is advertising of the business, it couldn't be 5%. Um, oh, I'd be surprised if it was anything other than zero. You're yeah. Not, yeah. You're, you're not buying bus benches, grocery carts, spending money on flyers, postcards. None of it. Uh, and if you're anything, not buying any leads. Yeah. Right, right. If anything, it's just kind of sponsorship for the kids' sports teams and stuff like that. Sure, yeah. And that's about the sponsorship because, I mean, I've never gotten a call that said, "Yeah, we saw your banner at the at the t-ball field. So right. We're giving you a call." <laughs> so I that's mean, true. Yeah, it's it's just about getting the jerseys paid for. So right. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't really, and and that pace is unsustainable anyway. Even if it did work, but who's going to just talk to somebody that's calling out of the blue about a mortgage today because it's a different world than it was 20 years ago. But um, even working leads or internet leads or whatever, if you were just calling those every day, you probably burn out before you started or pretty close. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. We, well, we come across a lot of people because of JTT that are doing that. Really? Um, Oh man. Yeah, I've got uh, one in mind right now, and yeah, he's well. There are a couple. One uh, that we've worked with, um, he was good at working leads. If you gave him a lead, he would work it. (laughs) But he didn't know how to get leads, right? And there's a serious mental block in there. There is. It's weird. The other one, yeah, this guy is. He's he's been working leads, whether it's Zillow or. The realtor.com or whatever they're you know doing some kind of marketing agreement with a, a real estate agent whatever the case may be but it's not people he knows it's not people that found him through organic channels like this it's not people that consume his content he's really not doing much in the way of content and you're right he is miserable 
he says to me, I hate this business. I'm like, no, you wow. don't. You hate the way you're doing this business. If every single person whose file is on your desk was a friend of yours, a family member, um, you know, was referred to by one of those two, whatever the case may be, you would love helping these people. You would love taking care of these people. You would love interjecting yourself into a situation that's going to make an enormous lifelong financial impact for them. Yes, but you're not. You're working a bunch of fucking Zillow leads, people you don't know that are shopping you around, that don't trust you, that don't trust your process, that don't do what you ask them to when they when you ask them to do it. And it's a nightmare. Exactly. It's an yeah. awful way to do this. Yeah. So, yeah, Joe, they're out there, buddy. And the <laughs> one I'm thinking of, this guy's been at it for, I can't even remember, but I want to say at least like seven years. See, at that point, I mean, one of, one of my guys, Paul, Paul Johnson, he, um, his thing is get a couple hundred people that you like and that like you in your database, love on them, and you can make a career out of helping them and their friends and referrals. Sure. What you need is sure. a couple hundred people that, that there's a mutual um, like for each other, trust with each other and and take care of them and they'll take care of you forever that's a full career right well and let's understand for everybody out there that that 200 grows to 400 and eventually right. to 800 i think our contact database right now is like 15 or 16,000 um but again yeah. 20 years right um of you know building that up and i can't remember what the adage is but it's something like you should be able to get a deal per month for every hundred people in your contact database. So if it's only 200 people and you're only doing two deals a month, guess what? That's the start of a pretty lustrous career. Yeah. Then you've got a bunch more time on your hands also to, to add more, add more names on that list. Build that audience. Guess what? When it's 400, now it's 50 deals a year. When it's 800, it's a hundred deals a year. And I've got news for all of you listening. A hundred deals a year is like top one percenter. You are a top producer. I don't care if you're a real estate agent or an LO doing a hundred deals a year. Yeah. And it wouldn't be all that hard or take all that long to do it. All right. I, I spent an awful lot of our half hour here on my soapbox. I'm sorry, to, I, but it's Joe. We'll do I it know. again. And I, I don't have headphones, so I'm I'm lagging behind a little bit. So I, I should have been prepped for the headphones for next time. Next time. I'll have some headphones. I, I took the boys when they were little to the monster truck thing, you know, cut the Hot Wheels. I can't remember what the, what are, what is that uh, brand, the Hot Wheels monster trucks? In any case, uh, you know, where you get to see Bigfoot and, you know, the, the, grave digger there we go okay yeah. now and they each got these <laughs> earmuffs because it's so loud there that look like giant tractor tires oh man so i'm, gonna, I'm earbuds, gonna get you i'm gonna get you a pair of those and just tape a string to it yeah and i'll, so that I'll it looks, put some earbuds inside inside of them that's funny <laughs> it'll be perfect jen get joe booked for another show and we'll let joe talk more about joe I, we will do that. It'll okay. be next year, Joe. We are booking end of May of 23 right now. Oh, nice. So, yeah. 23. Yeah. Oh, my 23. God. Time to get ready. Yeah, right. you'll have time to get ready. Yeah. Time to get headphones. You'll be able to shower that day, for sure. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm due. I'm definitely due. Oh, we'll put it in your calendar now. <laughs> Take shower. 
in May of 23. That's crazy. All right, Jen, since I know I didn't miss anything that I wanted to say. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe you should see if there's anything else you want to know from Joe or about Joe. You don't want to know anything about Joe. Don't open that Pandora's box. I just want Joe to show up to Mile High Mastermind this year. That's that's what I want. I will be there this year. All right. No excuses. And if I'm not, I'll still pay for it. So, you know, <laughs> You do buy a ticket every year. Yeah, every true. year. Um, the streak, one way or the other, the streak will not be broken. I will pay for Mastermind this year. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I'd give you the ticket for free if we could actually get you to show up. I'll, I'm there. I am oh. there. All right. Nice. Jen, take us home. I, I, I can't do any more, Joe. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of How I Met Your Mortgage. If you want to find out more about us, you can text TIPS, T-I-P-S, to 63566. That was a dog shaking in the background. Um, it will ping you back. I resent you- that comment. <laughs> it was Raja, not you this time. <laughs> Oh, God. It's going to be one of those weeks. Um, you can find out everything about us. Past episodes of the show, weekly little tip. Uh, you can get a copy of Adam's book, Just the Tips. Uh, Social Media Day Denver tickets are going on sale this week. Uh, that event is Thursday, June 30th at Metro State University. Full day of social media content. And Mile High Mastermind tickets will be going on sale before too terribly long. Uh, That one is September 16 and 17 at the University of Denver. Um, So all of that event info you can get by texting tips to 63566. You can also book a free hour of coaching with us so you can get more of this chaos for a whole hour with just you. We might let Joe participate in that. Right. We'll just let Joe come Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. thanks, Joe. I know that this was sort of short notice compared to people that were working with us in May of 23, right? Yeah. Months out. Um, and yeah, I know it's hard to carve out this kind of time early on a Monday morning. Um, I do appreciate it. Um, the glad that we were finally able to do this. And yeah, God, it's been a long time since we've seen you. Yeah, for sure. Glad to be on. And uh, yeah, it's an hour. I'm an hour before you, so I'm still shaking the cobwebs of the weekend off, but glad to be here. And uh, (laughs) good chat, for sure. Cool. Thanks, man. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Have a good week, everybody.